Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. worship with us. So whether you're here with us in person at Kentucky Trail or if you're joining us online, I'm going to invite you to stand up on your feet. We are going to worship big today. Our God who is so good to us, who died for us on the cross, and because of him, our sins are gone. So lift up your voices, put your hands together. We're going to have an awesome morning today.
Our God is so worthy, amen. Yeah. Our God took our place on the cross that we deserved. So let's sing, you are worthy, for there's no other name but the name of Jesus.
Come on, give it for Jesus. Let him know you love him today. Come on. Give him some praise. Man, he is so worthy. Well, good morning. Welcome to Real Life. You guys can keep standing. We're going to do something special today. Man, as we kick off Thanksgiving week, um, man, look at this. <laughs> He's going to throw me off the stage. I like that. We kick off this week of Thanksgiving. Uh, there's probably nothing more grateful than hearts as us as Jesus followers than what Jesus did on the cross for us. And so we're going to take a little time today to pause and really stop and really give thanks to God. And we're going to do this in a thing the Bible calls communion. And so communion, what it is, is basically a picture, a symbol of what Jesus did for us on those last moments on earth on the cross, that he was crushed and his body was broken for us, and that his blood was poured out for us. And so what I want to do is just encourage you guys to be thinking of God as we talk through some verses. Just ask yourself, what is God saying to you? Here's why communion is so important. Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves in 10,000 lifetimes. Jesus did for us what we could never accomplish. We'd never be good enough. But Jesus came. The Bible says in the Old Testament that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. In the Old Testament, you used to take a, a lamb or a goat or a ram, you'd sacrifice and pour the blood on the altar, forgive your sins for a year. And Jesus was the sinless, spotless lamb of God who came and was our permanent sacrifice for sin. And so this Thanksgiving, we're gonna spend some time thanking him. So I want to read a scripture and we'll walk through this. And as I'm walking through this, I just want you to continue to thank God. We be reminded of what God has done in our hearts and lives. There's scriptures found in Isaiah 53, in verse 5, it says this, but he being Jesus, the prophecy of Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. Literally, Jesus was pierced with the nails on the cross through his wrist and his ankles. He died, they shoved a spear into his side, and he poured out his blood for us. It said, he was crushed for our iniquities. He was crushed for our sin. The weight of our sin was pressed on Jesus' shoulders. In a very real and literal way, Jesus paid our hell on the cross. Like Jesus made a way for us. It says the punish punishment that brought us peace was on him. Like the literal wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. And he paid our debt. It says by his wounds, come on somebody, we are we are healed. We get excited about that this morning, that we are set free. Come on, somebody. That we're made whole in the name of Jesus, that we are no longer slaves to sin, no longer slaves to fear or insecurity or doubt. We're no longer slaves to this old man, this old nature, and what was broken inside of us is now healed. I mean, as a great writer once wrote a song, what was once lost is now found. And that we're complete and we're whole and we're set free and we're forgiven. And so it goes on to say, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way that we are a sinner in need of a savior. And even when we turned our back on God, God never turned his back on us and pursued us. And it says the Lord has laid on him the iniquity or the sin of us all. Verse 12 says this in Isaiah 53. It says, he poured out his life unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors. He was numbered with us. The first or Second Corinthians says it this way, he became a sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. That we don't have to earn it. We can't work hard enough to get it. We're never gonna clean up our mess enough, but Jesus cleaned up our mess. And there's so many people I talk to that think that if they're standing at the gates of heaven, they should let them in because I'm just too messy. And it's like, man, today you can make a choice. Like, man, God's gonna clean up my mess. I don't have to clean it up myself. And it's the grace of God. It says, for he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. He interceded for us. He pleaded our case. When Jesus on the cross, he, he had to just showed his heart for this, where he said, Father, forgive them for they know not 
what they do. And that was the heart of God. And so today I would invite you to close your eyes just in this moment, invite our communion team to come forward. And I want you just to think about what God has done for you. This moment's reserved for us that know Jesus, but maybe you're in the room today like, man, I don't know Jesus, but I'm picking up a foot down. Like I recognize that I need what Jesus has. And today you can call on Jesus. This is a moment between you and God. This is a moment of deep love. Nothing, everything changes when you experience the love of God in your life, that he loved you on that cross. It's a time to remember what Jesus did. It says in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes this, he said, the Lord Jesus on that night when he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. It was just a few hours after Jesus broke that bread in the upper room that he would be taken to that cross, that he would, his beard would be ripped out, that he would be scourged with cat and nine tails, that he would be carrying his cross literally to the hill of Calvary where he'd be stakes driven through his body, where he'd be crucified for our sins and pay our debt on the cross. This bread that you take today is a picture of that body that Jesus died for you. It's a picture of God's love for you that literally he would die for you. Paul goes on to say in verse 25, he says, in the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant, my blood. Do this whenever you drink in the remembrance of me. And what Jesus is saying just a few hours after he would, would drink this cup in the upper room, that he would shed every ounce of his blood out for us on that cross as a remission of our sins forever, as a permanent, perfect sacrifice that we no longer have to earn it we don't have to be good enough because God has made us good and the righteousness of God came in to us. And so the Bible says this in Matthew 26, 28. This is Jesus. He said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And so if you're forgiven today, this is the time to say thanks to Jesus as we take communion. What I'm gonna do, I'm gonna invite you guys to come forward. I'm, I'm gonna pray. I invite you to come down that center aisle and grab a piece of bread and dip it into either the wine or the grape juice. We have communion packets up here if you prefer not to dip the bread in there and then just kind of filter around the outside back to your seat. But this is a time to say thanks to what God has done for you. A time, a moment of solitude and a moment of heartfelt thanks for what God has done. So I'm gonna pray and just ask God to bless this time. Father, come before you. God, we thank you for your son, Jesus. God, that you did for us what we could never do for ourselves. And ever since we walked away from you in the Garden of Eden, you have been chasing us down. And so today we just pause and say thank you for doing something we could never do for ourselves, that you substituted your life for mine. And so God, thank you with a heart of gratitude. God, we surrender ourselves to you, that this life is no longer mine. God, I'm a servant of yours. God, you have my life. We want to serve you. God, we love you. We thank you for what you've done by laying down your life on the cross. Any moment you could have called down 10,000 angels, 10,000 legions in your army and just wiped us clean off the map, but you chose and you loved us. That love for us is what held you on the cross. And so today we are eternally grateful for what you've done for us. God, we pray, God, this be a moment in our hearts, God. We never lose, never get over what you did for us on that cross. We love you, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing a song, and as the song plays, I invite you to come down, you and your family, whatever, and grab the bread and take communion. Come on.
God, we come to you this morning, God, and just let us live our lives in remembrance this morning, God. Just, just accept our offering this morning, God, as we just honor, honor the sacrifice you made, God. We're in awe of you. We honor you and we remember you, God, and my prayer is that we'll never forget. My prayer is that we won't leave these doors today and just go back to the way that we've always done things, God, but just help us to keep this feeling we have in our hearts right now, God, as we just reflected on your perfect sacrifice. Help us to carry that throughout this week, into our communities, into our homes. Just use us, God. Just use us. May it all be for your glory, God. Everybody here in the room and everybody online all together, let's say it to him. Let's say in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, good morning, Real Life Church. How you doing this morning? Yeah, pretty good. Man, what a powerful moment. You know, communion is just one of those things, you know, you just, when you when you finally do it after a little bit of time of doing it, man, just so powerful. And it's just such an honor to share that moment with you guys this morning. I hope everybody at Real Life Church Online, I hope you felt that this morning. I hope you were praying along and just lifting it up to him this morning. And hey, speaking of Real Life Church Online, can we make them feel super welcome this morning here in the room? Yeah, such an amazing group of people. And I'm going to give you a little assignment, Real Life Church Online. I want you to look at your most used emojis tab. And I want you to pick your third one from the left and drop that in the comments down. We're all going to check that in a moment and do that. Hey, and everyone in the room, if you want to get on live now and drop that too and join them, it'd be really fun just to flood that comment section and see what our third most uh, used emoji is. And maybe I'm saying this to a few of you, but uh, let's try to keep it PG-13. Can we do that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know you will. That's a joke. That's a joke. Hey, everyone in the room, let's go ahead and be seated. And you know, it's honestly a good time to get your phone out anyway for some of us if you're brand new to real life church if you're brand new I invite you to get your phone out right now and after you do your little emoji there I want you to uh, text RL new to 97,000 and a member of our connection team would just love to reach out to you this week and just check in on you answer any questions you might have about real life church and see how can we be praying for you if you're checking us out for the first time live online there's going to be a little link in the comments you could click on i invite you to do that as well but yeah we just love to get to know you a little bit and answer those questions and hey if you're brand new in the room today don't leave here this morning without stopping by our new here booth right out there smack dab in the middle of the hub and we have a small gift for you just our way again of saying thanks for being here with us at real life church we're honored to have you as our guest so guys a little bit more about real life church we're a church on a mission and that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And that mission 
man, that goes far beyond the stage in this room here, on the live stream. It really happens when we walk out those doors and go into our upcoming week. And we think about those people, you know, that are close to us, but maybe far from God. People that just need that good word in their life. They need to know that sacrifice that Jesus made. They might have no clue why we would even do communion, what, what that symbolizes and who better than us. You know, Pastor Sean, he's got some broad shoulders. He's, he's a pretty buff dude, if I may say so myself, but he, can, he alone can't carry that burden for us. It's up to us to reach those people. So I just want you to be thinking about and praying about today and this week. What would happen? What would it look like if you joined Real Life Church on that mission? What impact would happen in this community that we call home? Great things are happening. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Well, guys, let's continue here. We're about to hear another amazing message and continuing in this series, The Blessed Life. And I think about some words that we use a lot, like me, mine, this is mine, you know? And it's almost like our possessions possess us. But I'm gonna invite you to get your U version open and lean in. And Sean brings us a word today of what can happen if we sort of flip that script a little bit. Don't let the possessions possess us and see what happens when God allows us to tap into our own generosity. Will you give it up for Pastor Sean Petrie? He's got a word today and we need to hear it. Let's go, Sean, come on. Check this out. Drew Holcomb, that was you. I gotcha. Man, well, I'm excited for today. Uh, man, who's feeling blessed today? Some of you are like, I don't know where this is going. I'm not feeling blessed. Oh, man, I hope you're feeling blessed. I feel blessed uh, this week. Uh, last Sunday, I was not feeling too blessed. I was on the downhill of getting sick. I'm not going to tell you what I was blessed with. Um, but I will tell you I was blessed that Barry stepped in last minute. Um, did a phenomenal job. That message, man, all ends up in a box. It was phenomenal. And so uh, if you missed it, you got to go back and watch it. Uh, but can you go for Barry for bringing that word? Come on. I mean, of all the message you've preached, that was like the message. I mean, everything about it was just so from the heart. And so if you missed it, it was just really, really good. Uh, I would say we're, we're blessed as a church uh, with our creative and our worship at this church. Those guys tear it up. Come on, dude. Blessed. I'm telling you, I'm not making this up. When you guys get to heaven one day, you're going to want to come back on the weekends to hear them worship. Come on. I'm just telling you, it's going to be true. It's going to happen. Um, but we're in the middle of the series, third part of the series, called The Blessed Life. And the first week really laid the foundation. I told you the foundation, it wasn't fun, but we did it. And uh, we talked about that God does not want your money. God doesn't want your stuff. But there's a divine, a supernatural connection between your heart and your wallet. There's a supernatural connection. The Bible says where your heart is, your treasure will be also. There's this divine flow, this connection, and I mean, Barry talking about monopoly, and at the end of the day, it all ends up in the box, and I was thinking as he preached, there's this picture that Joe Cooper posted about a month ago or two, he's, he's probably online watching, so shout out to Joe and Kim, but um, he, picked, he put this picture of this giant mansion, and then next to a shanty, like a little tiny house you'd find like in a, uh, basically out in the middle of the destitute, right, uh, in a slum, and in front of him was just like a, an, a, an empty grave, and said it all ends up in a box, it's so true, like the, the perspective of stuff, like it doesn't go with us and barely lay the great foundation. And today we're going to kind of dive in this third part, and I'm going to give you four perspectives on possessions. So I'm going to do three out of the story of the Good Samaritan, and one just kind of overarching theme. And some of these thoughts are from John Maxwell, who knows that guy, has some good thoughts. And so uh, we're going to weave that in this message today. But here's why it's important in the life for a church. Uh, we have a huge vision for our community, and we have a huge vision of what God can do in the lives of people. And uh, one of those parts of this vision is the Real Life Hope Center. 
at our Hope Center is, uh, I mean, I'm telling you, it's right here. They could need a signature, so you know, Forge or John Hancock on the thing, we'll do it. But we're right there. And uh, what this is, it's a, if you don't know about our Hope Center, it's a place for people, for lives to be changed. We're bringing our youth group there. We'll meet every Sunday night and they're looking for a home, right? Um, our worship team, who's been using people's basements. Uh, Jerry Kinman, we're in his basement with Leanne, and he calls me every week. Man, how's it going? How's it going? It's like, we're getting close, Jerry. And um, so it's been good. But, you know, the big vision of this is really to have a counseling ministry, to really do restoration with people's lives. There's some people struggling with, with mental health. There's so many things we do in our care groups and financial peace universities and, and grief share and people walking through situations. Really, this relationship restoration that takes place through our local outreach, through a Hope Center. And we just have a vision for a Hope Center. Come on, somebody. We have a vision for Hope Centers. Like, we want to radically change our city, and it's going to take more than just this one. And we have a dream for a place to have a permanent home here for our church. And we just have a vision, okay? And the vision obviously exceeds resources. That's why it's a vision, right? Uh, but you guys set the pace. And so that's why this is important, this part of this series, is that you guys have a, a, can play a part in the story of God. And so I want to encourage you to, as we talk about this, to be thinking, what can God, what can God, how can God use you through this series? And so I'm going to give you three perspectives of the story of the Good Samaritan. I'm going to give you a fourth overarching perspective and that's going to be found in, um, in Luke chapter 10. And so here's a story of attorney goes to Jesus. He says, Jesus, who is my neighbor? I mean, really, who's my neighbor? And so Jesus replies in verse 30. He says in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, it's important to remember that he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. It's so important to understand that Jesus wants you to know today that the priest and the Levite saw the man. It wasn't like this happened down the road and didn't see him and now they're getting blamed for something. No, they made contact. They saw his body lay in the ditch and then they went to the other side of the road. This is why they went to the other side of the road is because they saw the man. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He had compassion. And we went to him, he bandaged up his wounds, pouring on it oil and wine, and he put on the man on his own donkey, brought him to the inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper. He said, look after him, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. And then Jesus asked this attorney, he says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man that fell in the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law, the attorney said, the one had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So look at the four perspectives. The first perspective is the robber. The robber, his perspective was real simple. He said, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. What's yours is mine, I'm going to take it. He saw this Jewish man going down the road and thought, hey, that's a really cool necklace. Looks like you might be wealthy. I don't know what's in your pocketbook, but whatever it is, because my perspective has changed that what's yours is mine, I'm going to take it. Who knows perspective changes everything? Your view determines your due. If I know your viewpoint, I'm going to know how you're going to respond. And how we view possessions will determine what we do with the possessions. This man, his perspective was, well, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. Now you're saying, Sean, you don't have to spend very long here on this point. Like, I'm not a robber. We're not robbers. I'm sure a step above a robber today. Uh, my neighbor's not a robber. Uh, I'm not sitting next to a robber. I don't think I'm sitting next to a robber. Uh, if you're not sure, you can go ahead and look and see. 
He's looking around. You, you saw what I saw a little bit too. Some of you guys get a little nervous. If you think there's a robber next to you, you're a little nervous about it maybe. You, you'll feel comfortable. You might be able to slip up your hand and security may come down. Come on. Little Dan Bray or the power team may step in and intervene. He's moving his hand over. May intervene if you think you're sitting next to robber. The, the reality is there's a little robber in us all in there. There's a little selfishness inside of this. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago, this like the property law from a toddler. That what's yours is mine, I'm going to take it, right? If my kid has a toy, it's his, but if my little daughter has a toy, it's still my boy's toy, right? What's yours is mine, I'm going to take it. No matter what it is, it's like your kid comes into your bed middle night if you've got toddlers, and uh, it's like 3 in the morning, and they sneak in your room because they're scared, and all of a sudden they rob you of your bed. Come on, somebody. You know exactly what I'm talking about, right? It's their pillow. They're not comfortable. They take your covers. They're sleeping diagonal and sideways. You know what I'm talking about. You got one foot on the ground, and you got half a butt cheek, and you're sitting there wide awake, not sleeping, because they have robbed you of your bed. They're just born robbers, right? And I was there two weeks ago. <laughs> this is our night every night. This gets scared to come up. It's like, ah. Oh. And so I'm laying in bed, and uh, my son came up, and Emery came up. It's like 4 in the morning, and I'm like sitting there like on the edge, just miserable thinking I might just go to their bed and just cram in. And uh, literally, Jack is just snoring. He's right next to me. And out of nowhere, he headbutts me. Wham! It's right in the face. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So this kid not only robbed my bed, has now hit me and left me half dead in the bed. Come on. This is a true story. This is what these kids do. I wake up getting beaten by my children, right? Uh, the reality is we all have a little robber in us, right? If you don't think that we have a little robber in us and we're not just a little selfish, the next time you take a group photo, come on, and you look at it with all your friends, and you get a hold of that picture, what's the first person you look for? Yourself, right? And you look in the picture, and if you look good, which you always look good, come on, you're smiling, you're like, oh, yes, this is the picture. Post it. Send it out. Share it. This is the picture, right? But if you don't look good, what do you do? No, 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 no. Everybody get back in the picture. Take it again. Take it again. Take it again, right? And it's so true. That's how we see ourselves, just a little robber in us all. The second perspective is the perspective of the Levite, the perspective of the priest. It's a little different than the robber. The perspective of the priest and Levite is this. What is mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. The perspective of the Levite priest, they saw the man in the ditch. They, they made contact. They saw the blood. They saw the wounds. And then they said, no, I, I just don't. I feel bad for him, but I, I don't feel like it's my job to help him because what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. This is my stuff, and it's, it's my time, and if I were to, to pause here, I've got places to go. I'm going to maybe miss my lunch appointment. And they even made sure they're going to hold on to their stuff, didn't they? They saw that, and they thought, oh, man. And they walked all the way around and said, I'm going to make sure to keep my stuff. And they walked the other side of the road. That's a lot of, way, a lot of times you see possessions that way. I was thinking about my, we prepped, I prepped the message the week before, before I got sick. And what happened is I prepped the message, and then my, my kids gave me the perfect illustration. They were fighting in the room over this little tiny, like, uh, it wasn't knit. What's the crocheted turtle? Okay, I got it right. The crocheted turtle. It's like a little turtle. And they're fighting. It's mine, it's mine. They're screaming at each other. And there's like real tears. There's a blood and sacrifice to the turtle, right? So I go into their room, and you know what, what do you do as a God fearing pastor and leader when you write a message about possessions? It's time to preach the message. Come on, somebody, right? So I went in there and I, I grabbed the turtle and I said, No, actually, this turtle is mine. Yeah. You know, this is like, this is like, this is awesome. Got right where I want them, right? Just hook, line, sinker. And I said, you know where this turtle came from? No. I said, I bought this turtle. 
well, I want it. I'm like, well, it's mine. And I can take it from you. I'm in control of the turtle, so I'm going to hold on to it. No! They're crying at this point, right? But I'm teaching them lessons, so I'm going to walk through the whole thing. So I said, no, 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 no. No, this is, this is my turtle. I bought it. I can have it. Matter of fact, I don't even need this turtle. Do you know I can buy endless amount of turtles? I could fill this whole room full of turtles. Oh, you should do that, Dad. Buy in my son. I don't know. He makes a number of tens of thousands of turtles. Yes. He's so excited about this turtle, right? I said, no, I don't really want to do that. But here's what I'll do. I said, wouldn't it be nice if I could just share the turtle with you? Can I share it with you? No. That was the response. I was like, okay. So the lesson didn't work, right? But it's so easy to forget that God is the source of everything. That, that what you have isn't yours, that, that God has provided everything for you. Like everything in your life has come from God. Every good gift comes from above. It's so easy to forget that. So, so easy to forget that God is in control. Like God can take your turtles. Come on, somebody. God, God can take back what he's given you. God can take it any time he wants to, but it's awesome that God can also bless you, right? If you wanted to have it, you'd have it. But ultimately, God wants to share it with you. Like God wants to be a part of your life. Isn't it incredible to think about that God wants to be part of our story? Like, isn't it incredible to think about that God actually wants to use us? I mean, if I was God, if I were God, I would do things a little differently. Come on, somebody. You know, you, you know I would, right? Like, yeah, Sean, he's a little selfish. It's not going to work out. Like, I wouldn't even choose to, to use people as much. I'd probably do it my way, right? But Jesus and God choose, chooses to use us. It's incredible. I was talking to a guy earlier sitting in the hub, and Ask him his why. Why do you do what you do, you know? And he talked about his why. And I said, you know what my why is? My why of why I do life is because I always want to be in a spot where God can use me. Like, oh, I don't want to put myself in a situation where God goes, nah, not Sean. He's just too wrapped up in himself. I want to be in a spot where God can use my life. And I think about this Roman centurion, right? He went to Jesus and he said, heal my daughter, she's sick. And, and he says, well, your daughter's really far away. And he said, well, what's that to you? You're like me. I'm, I'm a, I command many people. And I, you, I say, do it, and it happens. And you can say, do it. You don't have to go there, and it happens. And he says, there's no greater faith in all Israel from this person who's not even Jewish. And he heals his daughter. Like God used that, that dad to heal his daughter. God chooses to use us because we have that faith to step out. I think that the little boy that gives a sack lunch, the feeding of 5,000, there's 5,000 men, so there's probably 10 or 15,000 women and children. And disciples are doing what all of us, what I would be doing anyway. I, I would be on the Excel sheet, and I would be writing out numbers, and, and they said, there's no way we can pay for these meals. They'd take more than a year's salary to even get close to paying for these meals. And Jesus is shaking his head, and he says, well, here, come here. And this little boy with this little sack lunch, you know, had his little Scooby-Doo, lunch pail, whatever, shows up and gives him a few fish and loaves, and God takes it, and he breaks it and multiplies it, and he feeds the 5,000 and feeds the women and children, and then there's how many baskets left over. Remember the story? There's 12 baskets left over, one for every disciple, and I'm going to see these disciples holding their baskets and kind of holding their head a little ashamed, like, wow, misread that one a little bit today, and I'm thinking, like, if I were Jesus, what I would be saying is, well, I wish you would have gave up your fish and loaves, right? Like, I would have blessed if you would have given it. I think about that little boy that, that gave his sack lunch to Jesus, and I thought, man, what an incredible story of faith that that boy's going to share his whole life. Can you imagine him talking to his grandchildren about Jesus? It's like, just give it to God. Like, God can use it. It doesn't matter what you have. It matters what you do, what you have, right? And that's what Barry preached about last week. And this faith that this little boy had because God used me. 
Can you imagine watching Jesus break your fish and loaves and feeding 15,000 people? I mean, you said, I planted some seed in that. Come on, somebody. Like, I was a part of that story. And that's how I get to feel when I give. Like, that's what I feel when I get to be a part of the story that God's writing here. When I get to come in on Sunday morning, be like, wow, I get to play a part of this. And same thing I get to do when I see the hopes in her come out of the ground and what God's doing. It's like, I get to plant some seed in that, amen? Come on, my preacher's better than you guys are responsible. I'm just telling you. I mean, God's, God is doing something, and I get to play a part of the story. And I promise that little boy, I mean, I could imagine something that build my faith more than watching God multiply something that, I, that was just part, I was just glad to be part of the story. And to share that with everybody who was around the rest of my life. My grandkids, my family different because I laid something down and saw God do something with it. The story of the priest and Levi, what's mine is mine, and I'm going to hold it. I'm going to keep on to it. See, only Jesus blesses what you give him. Jesus doesn't have to bless what you got. Jesus owns the cattle on a thousand hills and owns the hills as well, and he wants to bless what you have. It's really nice to share what you have with Jesus. Perspective three, we went through the perspective of the robber, what's mine, or what's yours is mine, I'm going to keep it. Perspective of Levite and priest, what's, what's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. And there's a third perspective, and I think this is our church perspective, this is the perspective of the good Samaritan. There's a lot of good Samaritans in the house, isn't there? This is a generous church. You guys a generous church? <laughs> Come on now. You guys should be proud of what you guys have done, and God is using you in incredible ways. And this is the perspective of the of the good Samaritan. What's mine is yours. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it away. You think about this good Samaritan. He saw the person in the ditch. He ran to that person. He took off his oil and his wine off his donkey, and he poured it on him. He used his own bandages. He put him on his own donkey. He took him to the inn and paid with his own money. And then he put it on his own tab, didn't he? Whatever, whatever cost, I'll pay for it. I get back. Just take care of this man. This is what the good Samaritan does. There's three things, though, they have in common between the priest, the Samaritan, and Levite. They all saw the problem. Every person that walked down the road saw somebody in the ditch. Every, everybody saw that. And the Levite and the other guy said, I'm selfish. It's just, it's just mine. I'm going to keep it. And they walked by, but this good Samaritan had a different heart, a different attitude. But they all saw the person in the ditch. They all had the opportunity to help. Anybody could have helped. Anybody could have stopped. And they all had an opportunity not to, to do it. They had an opportunity not to respond. Like the good Samaritan, I'm sure he had awful things to do, awful, uh, awful busy schedule. He could have been anywhere he wanted to be. He had things to do just like everybody else. But instead, he had a heart of compassion and stopped. See, when, when you see, the way you see your possessions determine what you do with it. Your view determines your due. And if you're like the Levite and the priest, you saw that person ditch, and you didn't see an opportunity, you saw a problem, Amen. You, you said, oh, I don't have time for that. Like, I have a lunch appointment with, uh, with Barry. It's going to be really good. He's buying. Come on. I'm not going to miss that. I've got to roll down the road. And you, you saw that guy dying. You thought, well, it's not my problem. Somebody else did that, and it's, it's, it's my time, and I don't really have time for that since uh, that's in the way, so I'm going to go and walk this way. And these guys were leaders. And this Samaritan, like the least likely person that you'd ever count on to jump in and help, would never, wanna, never would help a Jewish person, sees this person, and his, his heart was different. See, the priest and Levi, they, they saw that person, the question they asked himself, and this is what Martin Luther King said about this passage. He said the question the priest and Levi asked is, if I, stop, if, I, if I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? Because he was selfish, and what's mine and mine, I'm going to keep it. But the, but the good Samaritan stopped, and he saw the person, and he said, if I don't stop this, help this man, what's going to happen to him? And there's so much compassion in that statement, because he didn't see his time or his money or his donkey as his own. He saw it as God's. And if we have a problem with managing money, when we make the mistake to think that it's ours. Come on, Pastor, preach down the house. Amen. This is good. Come on, this is good. 
This is so true, but no one wants to hear it. But it's so true because we're like so busy on ourselves, we forget that God's put us in these opportunities. And those interruptions are the ministry. People are ministry. It's amazing that Levi and the priest, they didn't see a person, they saw a problem, but the good Samaritan who never should have seen people didn't see a problem, they saw people. And it's so easy in our lives to get consumed with all the problems and forget all the people. Amen, pastor. I'm just telling you, it's easy to do. But the good Samaritan helped him. And so that's the three perspectives, the robber. What's, what's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. And I know we're, nobody's in the robber in the house. Come on. You're going to notch above the robber and release the priest and Levite. And what's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. And that third perspective, which is a really powerful perspective, is what's mine is yours, I'm going to give it. But there's this fourth perspective. You guys ready for the fourth perspective? Three people are ready. That's cool. That's cool. We're going to get there. I, I do believe this perspective is the perspective you want to have. Like, I would love for all you guys to be up to level four perspective of possessions. Like, to have this kind of attitude and heart towards the stuff that we have. This is, this is the perspective that God wants us to have, an overarching perspective, not found in the story of the Good Samaritan. Now, you guys are sharp, I can tell. You guys are on it. You guys are looking good. Some of you guys are taking notes. You get closer to seat in heaven. Some of you guys are, are with it. The keys are playing, so you're awake. But some of you, I've noticed, maybe it's the person to your left, just a, not as sharp as you are. Come on. Just a little slower. Hasn't quite figured it out yet. And so I need to look at the person left and just say, don't miss perspective four. Come on, tell them. Don't miss perspective four. Don't miss it. And the reason I'm going to do this is because it's so important not to miss this perspective. There's something in this, I believe, that's going to just change the way that you live your life. That there's something in this that's going to change the way you see your future. Like when I was 18, I wish somebody told me this perspective because I was all about me. I was all about doing my way. I believe this perspective is going to change you. Now, if you're sitting there like, I don't know if I'm ready for this, maybe a little slow, it's okay. Turn that person and tell them, I will help you with perspective four. Let them know. I'm going to help you with perspective four. Let them know. Some of you guys are looking at the people. You saw it too. They were a little slow. You saw it. People are looking. You saw it too. That's good. But jump in. Just get this, guys. Perspective four. It's so good. Listen to this. Perspective four. Biblical perspective. What's mine is not mine. I'm just going to manage it. It's not mine. Nothing is mine. And the moment you start realizing it's all from God, changes everything. The Bible says this in Psalm 24, 1. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's not mine. It changes absolutely everything in your life. You know, I was thinking earlier when you guys were talking, I was looking around, and I saw Drew up here in the front, and he had invited me to lunch earlier in the week, and I'd kind of forgotten about it a little bit. And uh, I don't know if you know Drew too well, but Drew's a little cheap. Come on. Just a little cheap. We all got a cheap friend. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, Drew. We love you. But he's just a little cheap. And so I knew I was going to lunch today that, that he, he was going to ask me to buy, buy food. And so I was like, oh, okay, I, I know where this is going. And I was thinking as I was talking to you guys earlier, like, I usually bring my wallet and I keep in my bag. And I remember I left it on my nightstand at home. So I was just thinking because Drew's a little cheap and maybe help somebody out. If somebody could maybe, because we're friends, you know, I'm your pastor, somebody give me $100 to help out today. There you go. Barry, come on. Look at that. Come on, give it up for Barry. This is my right-hand guy right there. 
I love it. Dude, that's awesome. So thanks for helping out. Me and Drew are gonna, we're gonna, up, we're not going, we're gonna go somewhere nicer, dude. We're gonna go somewhere nicer. All right, thank you, thank you, Barry. All right, Psalm 24 says this, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Some of you are like, what just happened? Like, right, like what is pastor doing today? What is up his sleeve? What is going on? Like, so you think, why in the world did pastor bring $100 up to Pastor Sean? Like, what in the world is going on with that? Can I tell you why he brought $100 up to me? It's because before the gathering, I gave him this $100. Come on, somebody. Right? I gave him this. And I said, sometime during my message, I'm going to ask you to give me the $100. And I want you to return to me what I gave to you. Come on, somebody. That's good. Even the person who left can get that. Come on, somebody. That's good. That's good. It's not Barry's. It's mine. The reason he was so quick to give it back is because it was already mine. I owned it. And he just returned it to me. So the question is, you should ask us, why did Barry give $100? The question should have been, like, why did I give $100? Come on, somebody. Like, why is it so quick to be like, hey, God, just use it? Like, God, this isn't mine. I don't, I don't hold, I just hold, this is in my hand like this. It's open-handed. This isn't my stuff. This isn't my life. And, and we get started getting cheap on God. Like, we, we start saying, okay, God, it's, it's too much. Or I, I can't give. You'd be amazed how many people don't give at church. Come on. I'm just telling you. You'd be amazed how many people, you think like, if you give and you're thinking everybody gives, but that's not reality. And for some of us, it's like, man, I just, man, we hold on to everything so tightly. We just get cheap. And we, we, we think it's all mine. And I, I, once, I, once I clean my life up, then I'll start honoring God. It's like, what kind of math are you doing? That, that is not good math. I mean, I would rather give it to God and have him bless my life than try to make it on my own. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you guys' response. I'm telling you that. It's so easy, like we all have seasons where it's like, man, I got nothing. But this widow's might, I, I got nothing, but here's a sack lunch, I got, I got nothing. There's no billionaires in our church, come on somebody. It takes everybody saying, hey, I'm a part of the story. I'm telling you, when you get a little vision for what God's doing, let's back up a second. The reason we can't let go of it is because we think it's ours. You just think this is, this is my stuff. And uh, I'll tell you what, I would think about the boy with that sack lunch and the vision and perspective he has of his stuff is the perspective today that we should have of our stuff. That's no longer mine, but it's yours, God. And we can just serve people and give back. And I remember this last week, Diane, she was here. I was at home. I was watching Barry preach down the house as I was getting tested at CSV or CVS. That's how much I got hit. I got hit so hard, I can't remember how to say CVS. Yeah. So, so I'm watching online. I get, I call Diane in between the gatherings and she comes home and she goes, God gave me a number because we're doing this heart for the house and asking people to, to bring their very best one-time gift. And I was like, oh, he gave you a number. That's good. You know, you get nervous. Like, what number do you got? She goes, you tell me your number. I'll tell you mine. I'm like, okay, okay. So I told her a number and she kind of laughed. She told me her number. Her number was twice my number. Come on, somebody. She was full of faith, you know, Barry's preaching. You know, I was like, thanks, Barry, for giving her that word, right? And, um, and I said, okay, okay. And I, I said, so you doubled it, you know, which we always had a joke, like, take whatever you're thinking and double it. And she had already doubled it. So I was like, we're, okay, we're going to give that number, okay? And we're, we're going we're gonna to put it in. And it's just crazy because we started looking over, like, what we've given this year and, like, what we're doing. It's like, it, it's just every year is, like, just more strategic, right? 
And it's like, we've already given this, but hey, we'll do that. And I'm looking back, you know, I never quantified the whole thing, but Diane's like, man, that's, wow, we've given a snip. I was like, yeah, that, that, wow, that's a lot of money, you know? And, but God's using it. I just want you to know, when you're a part of the vision of what God is doing, God will bless it and use it. I've never gone hungry, come on, somebody. I've never missed a meal. I've never felt like I was lacking. There may be some things I put off or some things I sold or whatever. That's because of the heart of generosity. And it takes you guys setting the pace to do that, amen? So I'm just gonna unashamedly invite you to be a part of the story that God is writing. The story, the story of this season is really a real life hope center. It's the story that God can use us. This is a cash project, amen? We're not going on debt on, on the Real Life Hope Center. We're, we're, we're focusing on the next thing because God has something bigger for us on the next turn. And so we're like, hey, we're not gonna get a slave to a lender on this deal. And so you guys set the pace on this deal. And it's our hearts as leaders in our church to, to go first. Man, I dare you to be more generous than me. I hate getting beaten. Come on, somebody. But I, I love to give back to God. And it's not what you give. It's, it's, what, it's, what, it's what your heart behind giving it's, it's not about the amount. For some of you today, if, if you gave a dollar to Jesus, it'd be life-changing for you, right? Because you'd never give. I remember the first time I gave to God, I was so nervous. I was like, I thought like, I was like, I'm not supposed to put this in a pot and burn it. Like, what, what, what's the point? And to see God use that. And I start looking at people differently because I'm like, man, I invested in that. Like, I put some seeds in that. Like, I saw some youth kids change because of that money. I paid for, started paying for kids to go to camp. We sponsor kids across the world in different ministries. And I get to see their story and God riding their story. And I'm like, that is the blessed life, amen? If you want to have the blessed life, you've gotta be a part of what God is doing and the blessing that God writes is through generosity. And so I kind of encourage you to see money in a level four kind of way. Anybody wanna step up to level four today? Come on, somebody, put your hand here. If you say, I'm gonna be a level four type of perspective of money. Put those hands up all across, that's you. Father, you see the hands. God, you know the hearts. God, you know exactly where we are today. God, you know what level we are. Or the robber or the Levite, the the, the priest, the good Samaritan, but God, I pray today that those who raise their hands, we would graduate to the next level. God, that we would graduate from good Samaritan school. God, that we would not be reservoirs and hold what you've given us, God, but we would return to you what you've given to us. God, that, that we would be like Abel and we'd have a full heart and give first to you. God, it's not about how much we give, it's our heart behind it and we just trust that you're gonna bless it. And God, for years and years to come, I know that we can look out and say, I see Real Life Church and I see this Hope Center and I sowed seed in that. I played a part in that story that God was writing, these lives are being changed. And so God, help us to hold loosely what you've given to us because we're just conduits. We're just the delivery boy for the blessings of God. And our blessing is not found in what we're holding on to, but it's found in what you are blessing other people's lives, God. So I pray that you'd raise up a generation of the generous, that this church would be full of good Samaritans that stop and help and serve and give because nothing we have is from us. It's not ours. It's so easy to give away God's money. It's so easy to give away stuff that we don't possess. It's so easy to bless other people and be used by God. I pray at the end of our lives, God, you tell us, well done, good and faithful stewards. God, that we be faithful to you with what you've given to us. God, I pray that anybody in this room would just take that next step, whether they've never given to maybe just try giving, maybe they're giving regularly, but to step up and say, you know, I'm gonna do something sacrificial this year. I'm gonna go in. And some of you guys would be extravagantly generous. Some of you guys have the ability to be extravagantly generous. But I pray, God, that you would just bless our church, God, you bless the vision, you bless your work. And God, we just lay this at your feet. God, we surrender to you. 
Y'all pray for one more group of people that's those of you who say, you know what, I need Jesus today. I heard you talk earlier about communion and the, the clarity of the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for me. There's nothing I can do to earn it. I can't deserve it. I know there's a young man I've spoken to recently that, that is resonating with. And I pray, God, that you just speak into his heart. I pray you speak into our hearts. Maybe that's you today and say, well, I need Jesus. Like I know we're talking about money. And the reason God talks about money because it's the closest thing to our heart. It's the biggest competition for the thing of God. And so they recognize that you're in control and I need you. I need forgiveness. I need your life. Like you talked about, I need to be no longer a slave. Got to addiction or a fear or a sin, but I need you, Jesus. And if that's you, without anybody looking around in the moment of just a private moment, and you say, I need Jesus, we just raise your hand high in this place and say, you know what, Sean, I need Jesus today. Just pray for me. We'll put your hand up if that's you. Maybe you're online. I see your hand right here. Maybe I'll say, I need Jesus. And if that's you and you raise your hand, I want you to pray this prayer after me. That prayer does not save you, but your heart towards God. Just pray this. Say, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to do something I could never do for myself. I've been running this cycle in my life and have been missing the key ingredient. So God, I pray you break me free from some addictions. I pray you break me free from some past. And I pray that you'd use me. God, I'm a willing servant of you. Everything I have is yours. Even my breath, I return back to you. God, use me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Give it up for God today, what he's doing. Come on. Taking my money back. Where are we going, Roadhouse? You and Drew, you and Drew, I'll follow you guys. Hey, man, what an awesome message. And if you're today with us in person or online, hey, man, you, you've just lashed on that generosity of God, the God, the creator of the universe that's been pursuing you, and you made that decision for Jesus, man, would you please let us know? It's so important that we get to get hooked up with you and just encourage you. I've got a couple great next steps for you. Let us know by texting RLNEXT to 97000. What we'll do is we'll have a team member reach out to you over the phone. Their whole job is just to help you in any way that we possibly can. We want to be here for you because it's the beginning of a great journey. It's not the end of something. It's the beginning of it. We want to be there with you. If you happen to be with us in person, the other great next step is on your way out of the worship center, grab a red bag. Inside there's a Bible. There's a link to some other great resources. It's just an awesome way to get started off on the right foot. So for everybody else, your next step is this. Man, just latch on to what Pastor Sean talked about and what we've been dealing with uh, in this, uh, this series of generosity. And it's just awesome to think the things that we get to give back to God, you know, it really changes us. There's so many, there's so many churches that and we've talked about this and Pastor Sean really made this clear, you know, we don't give to get, but I tell you what, when you do, when you invest in God's kingdom, man, you may not get a million dollars back in the bank, but your heart's going to be changed. And man, your passion for God will just be just increased and God will move in ways that you can't even imagine. We want you guys to partner and be a part of that. Take that opportunity because there's a big vision in front of us right now. And so what we're doing is on November the 28th, we're taking uh, a heart for the house. Actually, you can do it before then, but up until then, that point, what we're doing is everybody, encouraging everybody to just to be a part of this mission, bring your best one-time gift. Uh, and we, again, we call this the heart for the house. We, uh, we just wanna say with that, what we're, what we're doing is we're saying, God, is that we wanna feed the thing that feeds us. We wanna be there and allow you, God, to use what we have and what you've given us to give back to your kingdom. And just the way you use it, the way that God will take this is just gonna be amazing. And what this money's gonna go for is, is all our construction costs are already covered. But what we know is, is that in this space, that if we, if we invest in it further through AVL equipment, staging, and things like that, God is just gonna exponentially use this. And people are gonna come in that you don't know, we don't know their names today. And they're gonna come in and we're gonna be able to challenge their lives. They're gonna show them what God has for them and their lives are gonna be changed forever. And we get to have that opportunity to be a part of that. So 
again, man, I can't wait to see how God's going to use this. So as we move forward, I want to encourage you, if you're new to real life, and this isn't for you, man, we don't want anything from me. We want something for you. This gathering is our gift for you. Again, we are so excited that you were here today. Come hang out with us in the New Year booth. We would love to talk to you and hear your story. But if you call Real Life Home, you would take that opportunity to invest in God's kingdom. You can do that in three different ways. The first one is by going online at reallifechurchkc.com. Number two, you can uh, text an email to 84321. Or if you want to use a cashier check, you can use the giving box at the back of the worship center. So for the last couple weeks, we've been talking about this $10 challenge. I want you guys to take a second, check out this video, and see what your $10 did this week. superhero with my blue light shining through. I'm just mic'd up. It's all cool. So Pastor Sean has been talking for several weeks now about how to be generous and about how to give out of the abundance that God has given us. And not that it's of us, but that we just get to be that delivery boy, as you will. You think $10 doesn't do very much, but a few weeks ago, Pastor Sean gave this really big challenge and he said give ten dollars and then we have taken that ten dollars and you are not going to believe everything that god is doing with that ten dollars that you gave out of your generosity god blesses us and we are able to bless others i am here at jared taylor's house jared and rose have invited tina over for dinner tina has absolutely no idea that i am here Tina, as many of you may know, has been through a lot. She is now three young children. Matt tragically passed away a few months ago. And about a month ago, we helped move Tina back from North Carolina, back home to Belton so she could be here among her family. Tina's coming over, has no idea what is going to happen tonight. And actually, we are going to surprise Tina with a huge blessing. She is gonna be here any minute and she is going to be so shocked. you have had a lot going on. You just got this new place and while it is so super exciting, I know that it's really hard and I know that it's a big step. Are you making me cry? Yeah, and it's a great step, but I know that it's hard. So we asked our church to be generous and they came through. So your church family has a check for $850 for you and it's going to help towards the first couple months rent so you know Sean's been challenging us to give so Tina we want you to know that you are loved and more than loved we are here for you and God is here for you honestly we would not have been able to do this without so many friends that we have had for real life <laughs> and you guys keep helping us out and y'all are amazing we love you. We love you. Thank you so much for being a part of blessing others. And if you have not had that opportunity yet, I encourage you, jump on board. Jump on board the blessing train. 
So when you give, God takes that and He blesses others exponentially. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do with all of this giving. It is amazing. I can't wait to see you next week. Don't forget to bring a friend. Invite him out to real life. We'll see you at Real Life Church next week. Bye. Man, wasn't that cool? Man, you watched that video? <clears throat> you know what I see? I see an awesome story, but I see you guys. And you guys do that week in and week out. Man, you guys are so awesome. Continue to do that. You guys have a heart for the community. People hear about real life and they think about the individuals that are sitting in this room. You guys are making an impact on God's kingdom through your generosity. Hey, if you need prayer for any reason, we would love to pray with you up here. We'll have a team member up here. Uh, to pray with you for anything and everything that you could possibly need prayer for. Hey, you guys have a blessed Thanksgiving this week. Have a great time with your family. Can't wait to see you again next week at 9, 30, and 11. And as always, remember, whoever finds Jesus discovers real life and purpose. See you next week.